Ephesians chapter number 4. I'm just going to close out very briefly on the subject matter of what we believe and some of the characteristics that are in our beliefs because we're Baptist. And I'm going to close out with the two offices of the church. And since we do not have a hierarchy, we do not have a pope that rules over our congregation, but we believe from the scriptures that there's two offices, two officers of the church, and that's the office of pastor and the office of deacon. And you say, well, what about this? Can I say this? There, there's, there's no office, and these things are fine. There's no office of treasurer in the Bible, of trustee in the Bible, of janitor in the Bible, of Sunday school administrator in the Bible. Those are all wonderful. I'm not against those things. And so, but we do want to look at uh, what the Bible says, um, that there are two offices, But then I also want to just briefly touch on what are the responsibilities of those offices because every one of us have either heard about or been around churches that maybe those offices uh, were abused and maybe they were used wrongly um, or maybe not just used towards the congregation, but maybe the congregation abused those offices inside the church. And uh, I read one statement, uh, it was last year at this point, but uh, he said, we hear a lot about quote-unquote church abuse coming from the pastors and dictatorship going towards the people, and he said, which ought never to take place, He said, but what about the abuse the other way of congregations towards their pastor? And so I'm thankful, let me say this, that I'm at Granite State Baptist Church. And uh, so thankful. But I want to remind us of a couple things here. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And here's the purpose, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can I remind us of that statement and that verse right there? Now you talk about job security, okay, that it really says that a pastor is a gift to the church. You remember what it said back there in verse 11, and he gave some, there were apostles, there were prophets, but the qualifications of the apostles have passed. There's no one alive today that has seen physically the resurrected Christ, okay? And, uh, but we do have pastors and teachers today that God has given to the church. And really, the first statement of verse number 12, under the job description for the perfecting of the saints, that's going to take until Jesus comes. And so there's job security there. If a pastor says that he's run out of a job, that's saying that he's got a perfect church. And uh, I don't know why he wouldn't want to stay around, by the way, if he had a perfect church. But uh, for the perfecting of saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. And I want you to see the 
uh, the measure that is there, really the measuring tool and measuring line, is the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so our job as a pastor, let me remind us, we're going to read a few other passages of Scripture, is to preach the Word of God, and it is to do 100% to get you and I, okay, I'm not leaving myself out of this, my responsibility is to get each and every one of us looking like Christ. For the perfecting of the saints... And the measuring line that is there is Christ himself. It's not for you to get looking like me and acting like me. It's for all of us to be resembling Christ and to be living like Christ. Now, there's terms throughout the New Testament. I personally believe that the term pastor, elder, and bishop um, carry uh, different responsibilities but carry the same office inside the church, okay? And so, I, I... Honestly, we wouldn't be unbiblical that if the pastor of the church was called the elder of the church, okay? And I don't believe it'd be unbiblical if they were called the bishop of the church, okay? But it's amazing, and I've had some call me that. I'm trying to think of who it was that I'd call, and uh, it might have been your husband, Bob. That when, when I would call, he'd say the bishop's on the phone. And, uh, and he'd, he'd always call me the bishop. The bishop's on the phone. And, uh, but I believe they, they show different responsibilities, level of maturity, the care that they are supposed to have over the flock of God. And so what's amazing, someone made mention of this, and this was several years ago. It's amazing in a lot of cases that... Uh, you have a couple of those terms that, that really, in, in Bible-preaching churches, they don't have the best connotation because they've overstepped their authority. And uh, I believe from the Scriptures, I believe in a pastor-led church. Now, I don't believe in a pastor-dictated church, okay? There is a difference that's there. And uh, we'll read some other Scriptures But we do believe in these two offices. We believe in the office of a pastor, and we believe in the office of a deacon. Now, let me share a little bit more about the deacons, and then I'll come back to the pastor, because there's really not as much to share in the Scriptures about the office of a deacon. We have qualifications for the bishop and qualifications for the deacons that are given in 1 Timothy chapter number 3. And uh, may I say this, I'm thankful, and I reiterated this on Thursday night, I'm thankful for the deacons that we have here at Granite State Baptist. I appreciate their servant's heart. But may I remind us, and they know this, I'm not overpowering the deacons right now. There's nowhere in the scriptures that say the deacon's supposed to run the church. And may I take it a step further, there's no place in the scriptures that say the deacon's wives are supposed to run the church. Nowhere supposed to be there. Now, there's qualifications that are there, okay, and uh, supposed to fulfill that. And I believe that our, our deacons do fulfill that role. I believe they fulfill it with their wives. I believe they're of utmost testimony, above reproach, and uh, have a wonderful walk with God. I thank the Lord for it. Now, when we go back and study, okay, where did deacon come from? We understand the word deacon actually just means minister or servant. We understand that. 
And so the first time we may see them, and they're actually not called deacons, but is in Acts chapter number 6, okay? And uh, the church had grown to the point. I don't believe that this is a prerequisite um, in order to have deacons, but at this point there were over 8,000 members that had been saved, baptized, and added to the church by the time we get to Acts chapter number 6. And believe it or not, there was murmuring you know that it was a Baptist church because there was murmuring that was taking place. And do you know now if these are deacons, and I have no problem calling them deacons in Acts chapter number 6, the whole purpose of instituting the office of deacon here in Acts chapter number 6 was to eliminate murmuring. Not to cause murmuring. I've been in some of those churches too that it just seemed like it was a a constant fight. Not in churches I've been a part of. I've actually had a tremendous blessing of the churches that God has allowed our family to be a part of. Honestly, it was a tremendous meshing of leadership and guidance and direction and wisdom in the church. And I praise the Lord for it. There wasn't a dictator up here and there weren't uh, a board of dictators on the other side. And it just worked very well together. And so here's where the the office of deacon, according to Acts chapter number 6 and verse 1, it says, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And so we see, and the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. May I say, it's not that they were above serving. But I just said there were twelve apostles. There were over 8,000 in the church. You think they had their hands full? The number of messages that were being preached, I guarantee, on a weekly basis... And he said, the, the 12 said, well, it's not for us to leave the word of God. And so they look out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Do you understand that the first deacons were actually instituted, if we look at Acts 6, some, they'll fight tooth and nail saying these are not deacons. It doesn't say they were deacons. I have no problem saying this is the work of a deacon. I have no problem whatsoever, okay? And if we look at that, and the purpose was, what could they do that the pastors, the apostles there in Jerusalem, did not have time to be able to get to? And so the widows were being neglected, the Grecian widows. So much for that whole thing of having all things in common two chapters earlier, okay? That they brought it all in, laid it at the apostles' feet, and distributed to every such as had need. That worked for about two chapters. And then here they are murmuring because the Grecian widows were not being taken care of. And so he said, okay, choose out seven men whom we can appoint to be able to take care of this. <clears throat> Well, then we know according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul gives us actually the qualifications for someone to be able to serve in the office of the deacon. So we have the office of the pastor, the bishop, the elder, and then I I will say this, I do not see from the scriptures where there is a 
a board or a panel of elder rule, okay, as we look at through the scriptures. Now you say, well, it does say that, uh, okay, the elders that serve well are worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word. Okay, then that means a board of elders, and actually Bob Bailey helped me with this after we started the church. He said, we go to the scriptures. He said, I'll say this. He said, then that entire board of elders needs to be taken care of financially from the church. And especially those who labor in the word and prayer. And so I believe as we see, now, can I on the fleshly side, that doesn't mean it lines up with scripture. I understand why some churches have gone that direction. My dad, when he was in between churches, he only pastored two churches in his life, one in Topsom, Maine, and one in Woodsville, New Hampshire. And I started contacting some pastors, and he had some men tell him this. When he called up there, he said, listen, we have elders that run the church. He said, we don't need you to do anything except for to show up on Sunday and show up on Wednesday and preach. And he said, well, I don't believe that's the role of a pastor. He didn't go and take that church, by the way. Okay? And so we don't see where it's a board of, of deacons that run the church either, okay? Now, here's where the balance comes. I don't believe a pastor ought to be a dictator. But as, as what one preacher told me one time, he said, I don't believe a pastor is a dictator, but he ought to be accused of it every once in a while. <laughs> there is pastoral leadership, okay? And so I believe deacons are in the church. Let me summarize this to be able to serve, not necessarily the people, but serve the pastor on, hey, what isn't the pastor able to get to? What isn't the pastor able to be able to accomplish? Because if he goes and does this, it takes away from the word and prayer. Okay? Because we'll see this, my number one responsibility as a pastor is to preach the word of God. My number one responsibility I'm to feed the flock of God. We'll get over into what Peter said here in just a little bit, okay? But my number one responsibility, now here's the thing. If it gets to the point that there's other certain areas, and and listen, I'm listening to them. I'm listening. It's hard. I'm just confessing right now, and and they'll, they'll tell you this, that sometimes they, they probably feel like they're talking to the wall because I want to do everything and I want to be part of everything, but I'm realizing I can't because the amount of word of God that's supposed to be going out in different areas, I need to pay attention to it because the people of God are worthy of preparation in the word of God. And so there's been some things lately that I have specifically told them I am really trying to let you guys just take care of this and I'm not getting involved. You guys take care of it. I'm staying back and, and, and allowing that. It's hard. I'm just being honest with you. And so I believe that's the role and they do a tremendous job. They've never once ruled over the pastor. They've never once ruled over the congregation. Okay? So then what's the role of the pastor? To preach the word of God, I believe we have qualifications. It's not just anybody that steps up and becomes a pastor. I believe God puts, first of all, a desire in the heart, puts a call of God upon. We read it this morning. The Apostle Paul was appointed, okay? And God put a specific calling and purpose and plan for his life. 
Now, I want us to turn over, look over with me in 2 Peter. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Now, listen, I have known, and before you start thinking another direction, I have known some churches that have a setup where they have called their leadership staff elders in the church. And they had a preaching elder, and they had an assistant elder, for, for lack of better terms, they had that structure. And I said, you know, I could show you the exact same structure and just substitute the word pastor in there, okay, for a senior pastor and an assistant pastor. And so I've seen that structure I'm not against the term elder, but you don't have to call, come up and start calling me elder, okay? And uh, you don't have to come up and start calling me bishop. And, uh, and so I, I reserve that, and Bob Bailey's in heaven now, so he was the last one that called me bishop. Matthew Frank, you don't have to pick that up. I can see them words, that, them, them wheels turning back there. Let me show you what I believe is one of the main responsibilities of a pastor. Look over here. It uses the term elder. 1 Peter chapter number 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Look at this. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. I want you to know that's a very important phrase. My number one responsibility as a pastor, the spiritual leader of this church, is to feed this flock of God, the one that is among me. I, I won't get too busy feeding everybody else's flock to the neglect of the flock here. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Now look at this. Taking the oversight thereof. You say, well, what's that phrase? Taking the oversight thereof. It's in the context of feeding the flock of God. Okay? So I believe this. I believe the pastor is responsible for everything that is being taught and preached here at Granite State Baptist Church. And that's not just from behind the pulpit, but it's the oversight of everything that's being taught. That's why I'll know what's being taught in a Sunday school class. That's why I'll know what's being taught in a youth group. I'll know what's being taught at a Bible study. I'll know what's being... I'm going to take the oversight because I believe that when God gives a focus and a direction of what needs to be taught and proclaimed for the Word of God, I believe everything ought to just complement that and reinforce it all the way down through. It doesn't matter the size of the class. I'm not going to say from the top down because I don't think a pastor ought to view himself that way. Okay? But I believe it ought to permeate through every class, every direction, everything that's being taught is being reinforced. I don't believe in a church setting there's lone rangers on it. Okay? That it's, well, I don't care what the pastor says. I'm teaching what I want to teach. Well, God put some things in our hearts on the direction we're going for teaching, and we need to get some people to a certain direction and level to be able to keep growing, okay? And so there is that responsibility there. Now, look what he says, not by constraint, but willingly. I believe that, that this can be applied to both sides. You ought not to have to force a pastor to take oversight. 
Well, pastor, you're the leader. Now, you need to make a decision. No, but also on the other side, I don't believe a pastor ought to be forcing a congregation. There's nowhere that it talks about a pastor or even a shepherd throughout the Bible that drives his sheep. He leads. I remember an example, an illustration that Peter gave in one of his messages a few years ago that, and he had it written down and everything, I read it afterwards, that talked about a man was driving by and he saw a flock that was out there and the man that was there with his staff and everything and he's herding the sheep and he, he's driving them to get them to go a certain direction. And the guy stopped and watched it for a little while, got out of his car and walked over and talked to him. And he said, you know, he said, I've always been told, he said, all my life, he said that a, that a shepherd doesn't drive his sheep, that a shepherd leads his sheep. And he said, that's 100% true. He said, but you've got to understand, he said, I'm not the shepherd. He said, well, who are you? He said, I'm the butcher. <laughs> true story. I thought, we've been in some of them churches. It's not a shepherd, but they're driving them, killing the flock. The Bible says, not by constraint, but willingly. And then this little phrase here, not for filthy lucre. I found out this, a true pastor fulfilling that office, he's not in it for the money. Now listen, I'll be the first one to teach the entire counsel of God. I believe someone preaches the gospel, they live of the gospel. Now that's not saying, listen, if it got to the point and I have no problem whatsoever and the men of our church and ladies of our church know that your pastor is not against work. And I have no problem whatsoever. If it got to the point for the sake of this church, I'll go out and punch a clock and I'll go work what hours I needed to. Brother Jackson, you did it for 50 years, didn't you? It's not that pastors are above it. They ought not to be anyway. We're not as, and, and we'll, we'll get down to it. It says, but of a ready mind, not for filthy lucre. That means we're, we're prepared to do whatever it takes because this is something God has put in the heart of a pastor. We're raising a generation. We've got to be careful with this next generation of preachers that's coming out because they're looking for the biggest salary somewhere instead of going and carving something out and just saying, listen, I'm going to go do a work. And listen, we came up with what God provided, and if need be, we continue to do that because it's not a paycheck that keeps us here. It's a call of God that keeps us here. That's where it's at. Now, I'm thankful for everything the church can do. But you know something? We were preaching here before the church took care of us, and we're continuing on. And I'm thankful for that. Listen, that's just what's in our hearts. But I want you to see this. The next verse says this, Neither is being lords, that's being a master, that's being a boss, that's being a controlling figure. Neither is being lords over whose heritage? God's. I got to remember, listen, and I, and I say my church, I say my people, that's a term of endearment. It's not a term of possession. Okay, I understand whose people this is. And God's just allowing me to be able to be here to be the minister, to be able to serve the people of God, God's heritage. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a lord. I'm not a controlling factor. I'm not your boss. 
but I am putting your life as a gift from God, believe it or not, and it's a gift you can't return after Christmas, okay? A gift that has been given to this church, and I'm to fulfill the role that God has put me in. Can I say this? I know 100% who's the pastor at Granite State Baptist Church. I don't have to say it every week. I just know where God has me. I know the call that He's put upon my life, and I am perfectly happy and content fulfilling what God has put me in. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for people. I'm, I'm doing my best not to lord over, but here's what the Bible says, but being in samples to the flock. Do you know that a pastor ought to be someone that that church can look to and say there's an example? An example of what? Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and read everything. And I believe that a pastor ought to be an example. We believe this, the office of pastor and the office of deacon. Now, I believe in a, in a I'm not going to say a perfect world because I believe it, it works very well here, that uh, I believe with godly leadership it just meshes together. Any true pastor is not going to be a dictator, and he is going to surround himself with the wisdom from very wise people and is going to listen. And there's been times it's been said, hey, may not be the time or this may be the time. Hey, listen, I'm a wise pastor, I believe, if I listen to the wise counsel that's around me. And not to be a lone ranger and just go my direction and say, well, bless God, this is what we're doing. We're going forward against all counsel, against all direction. Now, listen, there's some times, and I, I know some people, they may not understand it completely. But there's sometimes a decision's got to be made. And here's what I appreciate. I appreciate, and here's where my walk with God has to be, that it's when not everybody else has the answers, but I believe this is what God has said, that there's a trust in the walk with God. It was that way when we bought this property. Some said, listen, a couple years later, Pastor, I just don't see it. And you know what I said back to him? I said, I appreciate the trust in a direction and a vision that the Lord's given and now look at it. Some said they pulled in the driveway and they're like, Pastor, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I don't know. Have you gone off your rocker? I mean, it's just a metal building. There's a dirt floor. It's nothing but a junkyard. I said, I appreciate the trust. I said, but I do believe in my heart this is what God has for us. And by God's grace and His provision, we're going forward. And I believe it's, it's worked so well on the biblical model of what God's given to us, and we hold to it. And so, you help me. I'm not a dictator, but I have no problem being the pastor of Granite State Baptist Church, and when God says go, we go. A leader just with nobody following is just a man out there taking a walk by himself. And so I'm so thankful for what God's done here and being able to unite hearts heading the, head the right direction. And, but I want you to know I acknowledge my number one responsibility, preach the Word of God. Can I say number two? I'll take it a step further. I'm going to preach the Word, and then I'm going to protect the flock. It's been prayed. I'll continue to pray it. 
I'm going to preach the word of God, but I'm going to make sure there's no wolves coming in. They like to dress up in sheep's clothing. You ever heard that before? I like to make sure. Make sure there's no wolves that are sneaking in that are going to start biting and devouring one another. We're not going to do that. That's not, that's not our role. So yes, sometimes the shepherd has to take his staff. And if it was written today, they would say just wring the neck of something, but hook the neck and draw them. <laughs> but I love the church. Because Christ loves the church. And a pastor is no more than a servant to the people of God. That's what we are. And so I'm thankful for that. Deacons are the same way. They have a heart for Granite State Baptist Church. And I'm thankful for that. Amen.